Well, this is the New Kind of Man podcast, and it happens to be episode 62, where we talk about rebelling and creating with Ned Shout. Ned Shout is doing incredible work in the realm of fatherhood. Like most people, Ned grew up wanting to make a positive impact in the world. He's tried his hand at several different business ventures until realizing the difference between making a living and making a life. Ned's passion for fatherhood is contagious. You'll see that in this podcast. Rebelling is about rejecting the status quo and creating a legacy as a dad. So rebel is something that he talks about in rebelling against uh, the, the views that you have little impact as a man and then also creating a life engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. This is a great one for you, gentlemen. I want you to know a couple things about what's happening in A New Kind of Man. I don't know if you are aware of this, but New Kind of Man is on YouTube. You can follow the link that is in the show notes for the New Kind of Man on YouTube. You can also just go to YouTube and then search New Kind of Man, and you see most of the podcasts that I have done on YouTube, and you'll find all of your favorites. So check it out if you'd like to see this conversation and not just hear this conversation. Also, one of the things that I've been doing for the last few weeks is the New Man Report. The New Man Report is a weekly email blast just to encourage you dads, encourage you men to step up and be the man, be the new man. And the New Man Report is a way just to give you a quick blast. It's a quick read. It's a, it's a powerful message packed into a small format for you just to read and apply one principle, walk away from it, and then do it. That's the New Man Report. You can also find that at BeANewMan.com, as well as you can find it in the show notes. Now, let's get on to my conversation with Ned Shout. Today on the podcast, we have Ned Shout. Ned is going to talk to us about fatherhood and about rebelling and creating. And before we get into the nitty gritty of that, I want to welcome you to the show. Right on, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you. Yeah, you, I just want the listener to know this. You impressed me way before I really saw, even saw much of your stuff. You reached out to me on IG, you DM me months ago and you said, Hey, what's your address? And I was like, I, okay, I gave you my address. It was kind of weird, but I was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, but, but I took a chance and you sent me and I'll just hold this up for, uh, just for the viewers on YouTube, like you sent me this book in a, a fatherhood journal that I thought was amazing. And I just want to say right thanks on. That. that impressed me. I said that before we started recording in a minute, like that really, really impressed me. And it really challenged me to even up my game about, you know, when you have somebody on the pod and, and make sure you're respectful and you add value. So uh, kudos to you, my friend. Right on. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I just love spreading the word, you know, so stoked that you checked it out and that you, you enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so before we get this thing rolling, I know you're pressed for time on the back end of this and you've got a packed day, but I want to uh, just to maybe for somebody who hasn't connected with you, somebody's just listened to the pod for the first time and just say some things about you, who you are, your kind of family background and why you would write a book on fatherhood and call it Rebel and Create. Yeah, man. Love it. So I'm 37. I live in Northern California. I've been married for, we're working on our 17th year of marriage. We have five kiddos. I thought I'd have two. Um, and we had five. And uh, 
<clears throat> it's a blast. I love it. Their ages are eight, two 11-year-olds, which were a surprise, a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. Mm. have four girls and a boy. And we just have a ton of fun. I mean, family, you know, it's messy family, but uh, it's also really, really good. And um, I've always been very passionate, always wanted to leave a mark on this earth, you know, with my life. And uh, I grew up in the church and I really thought that uh, that mark was going to come through this youth center that I was going to build. So that was really what I had my driving force, like from 15 years old on. And in 2015, there was just this crashing halt that that wasn't going to work out. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't going to happen. And I write about that in my book, Rebel and Create. And in, in 2015, I really realized that there were some beliefs that I had about what my life was supposed to look like that I thought were going to make me feel fulfilled wow. and was missing the opportunity. I was a great dad at the time. I mean, engaged, fun, but I wouldn't say that I gave my family my very best energy creativity. And so in 2015, when a lot of things were stripped away, I still had all this energy, right? And so I poured that into my kiddos and my spouse and just even more intentionally. And the reward was great, not just for myself. Like I felt like a great human and dad and fulfilled, but I could see it in my, in my wife and in my kiddos too. And so I've always also been rebellious, like a little bit rebellious skateboard. I like that kind of stuff. And so um, I... I don't even know where the little like two word mantra came, but I got it tattooed on me and I'm like, all right, I'm going to rebel against the status quo, rebel against the idea that the adventure for my life is somewhere else. And I'm going to create the home, the family, the legacy that I want. And I was looking around church one day <clears throat> and I saw like this dude who's a UPS driver and this dude who's a plumber and a construction guy and this guy who works at Target. And I'm like, what are these guys passionate about? Like, why are they showing up here? And so I was like, I'm going to put this belief I have into a book to inspire other dudes that although we might not all be professional skateboarders or whatever, we can find fulfillment and satisfaction in our life through the opportunity as fathers. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Adventure is not usually a place or excuse me, the church is not usually a place that adventure is talked about, right? Usually church is like anti-adventure at times. For it's kind of like oh, you come in, you check the box, you go home, and it's not the way it should be. I mean, Correct. I think yeah. I think of a, a, a life with God should be full of adventure. Totally. Of, I mean, that's the, that's the faith journey. It's like when you read the Bible, and I'm somebody who reads the Bible. I'm a follower of Jesus, and you know, and I know that you are. And yeah, when, when you go into the Bible, it's like that. Those types of adventures, you know, the heroes of the faith. It's you. I look at those, and I, I wasn't raised in church, but. But I, I remember reading those things for the first time. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And yet, sadly, I looked at the church and particularly the guys. And for me, uh, they looked bored. They looked like yeah. they, it was just like there was some disconnect between why well, I'm supposed to have this life that's on fire for Jesus. And like something in me was like wanting to well up. And I look around. I'm like, is that who I'm going to be in 15 years? Yeah, no, thanks. Like, because in the thing is, they were great guys. Like they were great guys, but they were missing something. And you tap into something that's really valuable. But before we jump into the whole rebel and create and, yeah. and, and kind of like the nitty gritty of that, which is really the, the crux of what I want to talk about. Some reasons why I connected with you. A, you have a boat as the cover of your book. And I'm, I'm a, a, a Navy veteran myself. Spent some years. Right, thank you. Like I engaged different type of boat than what's on, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> mine was an aircraft carrier, but, uh, 
Uh, that would have been a little bit more cool. Maybe your next book, you can do that. I don't know. Uh, just trying to give you some creative ideas. And also, you talked about a youth center and skateboarding. And I just want you to know, I pulled this out of my shed. I totally yeah, buddy. skateboarding. So I don't skateboard as much anymore. Uh, I'm I'm 46. Hey, I, nothing wrong with skateboarding if you're 46. But for me, I don't heal like I did. Yeah, it hurts more when you fall. For real. But uh, that was actually one of the connecting the and the other thing That's is cool is fatherhood. But this skateboard was given to me, man, I don't even know how many years ago, probably 15 or so years ago for Father's Day, actually. Oh, really? That was my first complete board. And I talked to my wife and my son at the time was a skateboarder. We lived in Florida and he, he wanted to skate. And I was like, man, I want to connect. Like as a dad, my my goal is to connect with where my kids are and not to have my kids where I am. Right. So I wanted to connect with him and skate. And so it was the first time Father's Day. We went to Ron John Surf Shop through all nice. like common sense of how much it was going to cost out. And she let me pick out a complete board, all pro gear. It was the only time I've ever done that in my life. Even when I skated when I was a kid, I had like some pro gear and then some like, you know, Nash executioner stuff like back in the day, <laughs> like back in my early skating days. So anyway, we connect on multiple levels and in we're really separated. You're on one coast and I'm on the other, but, uh, and you being in, in Cali and me being in Georgia, but I knew that, you know, your heart and skateboarding talking about this youth center. I, I want to talk about that for a minute. And I, I love that story. I loved your passion behind that because you're wanting to, you were from when I reading the book and kind of hearing your story, it sounds like that you were, you were finding purpose and fulfillment in it. And then when it was starting to happen, things started to click like, man, this is, this is the thing. So talk about the development of that skate park and, and what you were thinking when all that was happening. And it wasn't just a small skate park. I mean, this thing was, was giant. It's huge. Yeah. It was a top 10 skate park in indoor skate park in the world. Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just stumbled upon it where I was going to have the opportunity to take it over. I'd worked out a, a deal with the owner and she wanted to get out of it. And I started running my youth group out of there and started throwing concerts and having events and, and different things. And it was, it just felt like it was finally all coming together. It felt good. felt right. Um, but then it just came to a crashing halt. And really it was because, uh, it was because she didn't own the building. Okay. So it was, it was the landlords who really didn't like the skateboarders. You know, you got the kids kind of smoking cigarettes out front and, and they didn't really like that mentality and so they wanted to have like a really strict um some rules on the lease where it put my family at jeopardy and that's where it's like hey you know what i'm willing to go out out on this but i'm not going to put my family in the street so that's where i i wasn't willing to go um and they ended up just finding somebody else to to rent the space and the skate park and it was all built for that exact building so you know looking back I mean, I can think of multiple times just at the ocean going, what the heck happened? Like, how did this fall apart? And mm-hmm. feeling sorry for myself, I guess. But so much of my identity was wrapped up that that was what was going to make me successful. Mm-hmm. You know, is this thing that I had pursued. And, and I don't think it's bad to pursue things outside your home. Like I'm doing Rebel and Create now. I'm pursuing other things. But 
I've learned and have to continue to stay in tune that that can't replace my primary role as a husband and as a father. Yeah, right on. Yeah, that that becomes a really sticky thing, too, because when you it was a good work. I mean, the the youth uh, having that sort of building and all the mission behind that was amazing. And and what a great place to reach kids who who probably aren't going to be reached any other way because they're a little bit rebellious. And you said it even, even in the title of your work, Rebel and Create it kind of speaks into maybe a little bit about who you are so you could connect with those kids. And what I found is skateboarding is like the perfect place for those kids. And and especially in a, you know, in an environment where there's a lot like of skate culture. So uh, in my, my context, there's not really a skate culture, but I understand it because I grew up in it. And so, but I want to pivot just a minute because that was a good work. And I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth because you didn't say this in the book that I'm aware of, and you certainly didn't say it just now. But this brings about this idea of the death of a dream. And the death of a dream is a really dangerous thing. It's, it's one of those things to where it can really shift someone's life because if you have a dream to do a, a work, a good work particularly, and it falls through because of your, your doing or somebody else's doing, a lot of good men collapse. And they, and they kind of get lost in the mix of that and they lose their purpose. And, and, and you talked about identity just now in, in the book and because we get our identities kind of wove into that. We don't know what to do. So how did you pivot from that collapse, if you will, into now rebel and create and like pivot into now it was that was a good work. But being a father is even a better work and like in using that energy for the, the effort of fatherhood. Yeah. So uh, let me first say that I think that a lot of dudes, their dream might die, maybe because they're pursuing it to make money at it. And so I would say, you know, maybe the thing that you're pursuing, you don't have to make money at it. And so you can continue to do it while you have your, your day job. So that's a thought, but I would say that really, and that's almost like a, to kind of set up a little bit of a, what I'm about to say is I think I reframed it. So I still am building a kick-ass youth center and Mm -hmm. I'm still investing in youth. It's just happening in a different long-term play. So no, I'm not wearing a t-shirt and, you know, jeans and skating around every single day with kids, which sounded like it would have been a rad life. You know, I, my business is I sell insurance. And so that's what I do for my business. But I go home to a family of five kiddos and I'm investing in them to set them up for success with who they'll marry and who their kids will be. Right. So like the shout legacy going down the line. Hmm. And then I would say like, when I was a youth pastor and worked with youth, one of my biggest frustrations was that parents would drop their kid off or I would be running around on a Thursday night, picking kids up because dads couldn't do it. Couldn't drop their kid off at youth group. Like what the heck? Hmm. And so I'd be running around and it's like, there was this expectation that their kid was going to change from coming to hang out with me for two hours a week. Like that doesn't make any sense. You as a dad need to be engaged and intentional in your home. That's really where your kids are being transformed. So I kind of reframed it in that I'm still building like an Epic youth center, but there's no sign. There's no building to show up to. I'm through a podcast and a book and a journal and whatever else I might create. I'm encouraging fathers to lead their homes. And so there's still youth being impacted because I'm having conversations with fathers and hopefully being transparent with my own life that I definitely don't have this all figured out, but I'm working to master the craft of fatherhood, which is just like my lifelong journey. 
Well, I really get that ethos because even for me, and this is kind of the backstory of backstories with what I do, I, I have been in professional, quote unquote, ministry for 15 years. Uh, five years, I was a children's pastor, and now okay. I've been a lead pastor for 10 years wow. in, in a local ministry. So that's that's my deal. And then A New Kind of Man is something I do is just to overflow the passion that I have and any writing or any sort of contact I have with people on social media or through uh you know, or, or the website or whatever is just all of that is just an outflow of, of really what I believe that I'm called to do. And it sounds like something that you've really tapped into as well. For me, I, I've always said, even when I was leading a kid's ministry and now being a lead pastor, I, I see my primary calling is developing men. That, that to me is my, is so, but my, my assignment is different. My assignment mm-hmm. for those five years was kids ministry, but right. my target was the men because I knew if I get the men involved, if I can help disciple and mentor men, I knew that their whole family would win. Or I can, if I just pour into the kids, I'm, I might be able to help a kid, but man, over, you, you pointed it out like over a two hour period in a week, man, you cannot you can't redirect and, and do everything that needs to be done. There's so much of other, uh, you know, influence outside of the home. Yeah. So for me, I get it because my, even now with what I do, and I said this whenever I candidated for the position that I'm in now, it's like, I just want you to know, I love, I, I love the local church. I'm into it. My thing is developing men and like the, the whole masculine journey, helping men to, to be the men that God wants them to be. And then also, uh, you know, in, into healthy, equip families. I'm like, this is who I am. Yeah. And they're like, right on. That's what we need. So I get it. And even what you're saying now, it's like, you're still doing it, but instead of, of just addressing the youth need, you said, no, 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 I'm going to get it at the head. I'm going to get it at the fatherhood. Life. Yep. Love that. That's great. Hey, so let me practically, how do you live this out with your kids? Like what kind of special things do you do with your kids that, you know, that, that hopefully they will remember whenever they get older. Yeah. Um, well, first, you know, sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it can be over the top. Okay. So sometimes I find myself being over the top, whether it's the chore chart or the family devotion or whatever. So I really try to be first and foremost present. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the things, and that's why I created the Fatherhood Legacy Journal, which I don't do every day, but I've journaled since I was 18, is, you know, to to really just make sure that I'm taking time to pause and be in tune with my family. Hmm. Now, that seems kind of like a, that's not, I can write that down and check it off on a box, right? Like I spent five minutes, you know, with my kids today. Yeah. Um, it's it's really knowing who I am. So continuing to know who I am. Um pausing and going, okay, what does my wife really need? Like if I'm going to take a step back, if I was to stand outside and look, peer in from the outside, what is it that Sarah needs? What is it that my kids need? And be in tune with that. Um, Because there's times where I might feel closer to one than to the other. There's times where I'm like, dang, I haven't taken my wife on a date in a while. And then I was like, when have we gone on an overnight date? Oh my gosh, it's been a minute. So like, and then just make it happen. So, um, but let's be practical. So like right now we're in December, we've been doing Advent as a family for the past four or five years. So every Sunday night, you know, I put together just kind of looking around researching, throw together like a 15 minute Sunday night Advent, sing a song, light a candle, have fun. It's not this big, huge ordeal. So that's something we're doing right now. We've done that for five years or so. 
um, practically, you know, I try to schedule my week where I am available a couple mornings a week to wake my kids up, you know, so that I'm the one waking them up, move my schedule around where I'm the one picking them up from school once or twice, taking them to school once or twice. Um, we recently redid our family guiding principles or core values, you know, so talking about those at the dinner table, that's a huge one dinner table. I mean, I think that's like every, if you could do that one night a week, if you don't like, that's huge. It'll probably be your family's favorite night of the week. Like turn the TV off, have dinner. And then as a dad, who are you? Like, maybe you guys are a really smart family. So you come up with some kind of question around the table. Maybe you're a goofy family. Like you just come up with a question for your kids. I mean, it's simple to do what's your high and low. So we probably have dinner five times a week together. What's your high and low. And then I'll come up with a funny question sometimes, you know, but it's not every night, but I mean, we could just go on and on. I love to play games with my kids. I love to be outside with my kids. Um, But I definitely don't have it all figured out. I'm just, you know, as I continue to try and become and be the man that I think God wants me to be, I'm hoping that that shines through with my kids. And then last thing I'll say for that is when I screw up, I apologize. So you said you're not perfect. I mean, why in the world did I have you on the podcast? I thought you were perfect, man. I thought you were like the picture of fatherhood. Like you, but you know what? Here's the thing. In many ways, you are the picture of fatherhood because the last thing you said, when you, when you screw up, you own it. Yeah, man, there's, there's been, yes. There's Uh, so much of that. There, that there is so much into what you just said of just kind of owning your failures, because here's the thing that I know. I know that dads particularly are the heroes of their kids. And this is not to diminish the woman's role. Women do an amazing thing. My wife is fantastic. Been married for 27 years. Nice. I want to be married for another 54 if God has us here. Like, I, I mean, I want to, like, we, I want to be that weird old couple who's holding hands arm in arm, like walking through Walmart, you know, because we have nothing better to do when we're, in, when we are in our 90s. Like, that's what I want. So, just so you understand, I mean, I have a, a mad and deep respect for women and particularly, I value my wife and I think that you should as well. But, but there are some just intangibles that kids really look up to their dad. And, and I think that, and even I think statistically, it's like people look up to their dad and even in abusive situations, kids give their dad a pass in abusive situations. Yeah. And yet when you go through and you say, when, when you basically own a failure, man, you're, you're taking yourself off that pedestal to say, no, I'm like you. I'm similar to you. I have to deepen my walk with God and I need you to forgive me. And that creates a, a lot of opportunities. I'm sure it does a lot of opportunity to talk about God and forgiveness and the gospel. I mean, is this something that is something that you found? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Because I think all of us, we, we all have this desire to be loved and to be known. Yeah. And as a dad, really. I can't fully give that hundred percent to my kid. Like I don't have that, whether I'm a great dad or I'm uh, not so great dad, we all have this desire for this, this longing, right? And you and I would both say that that longing is for God, father in heaven. And so I think that it's an opportunity to show that I'm still a child growing up. Mm -hmm. Now this doesn't give me an excuse to be an a-hole at all. Right. But to own it and, you know, I'll be prideful and arrogant and, and have to come back and then apologize and then they see like, 
it, it's not just me. It's, it's something higher and bigger than me that I'm pursuing. Yes. You know, I'm supposed to be a reflection of that. I'm supposed to be an image of that to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm flawed. Right. So there are going to be times where I was too harsh with my son and I'm laying in bed and I'm like, man, you were too harsh with Brody. And I'll get out of bed and I'll go into his room and I'll sit next to his bed and I'll be like, bro, I was too harsh with you and I apologize and I won't do it again. You know, so how, how does that look practically? Right. Brody, you said. Right. So that's a really good example. It's like, how do you know that you need to go in the other room and apologize to your son? I think this will be helpful if you could walk guys through this as to how. OK, how do you know? I mean, you don't have to retrace like an example of something that you did. But what, what is that inkling? What is that feeling? What is that thought? How does that how does that meticu- uh, matriculate in your mind to then you going into the other room to. Yeah, I mean, I think that we all know, we all know when we've messed up, right? We all know, like in the heat of the moment, we, we either said something or we were too harsh or we used our strength in an inappropriate way. And, and uh, I'm not saying like I hit my kid. Of I'm course. saying that I used my strength, you know, to, to be bigger, to be taller, to use my voice, to, to, to really belittle him, right? It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't to, and, and I see that even sounds harsh, but it was just too much, right? It's like, dude, don't act like that with your sister, you know? Or, or you, and, and where I could tell when I see in him, it's like, he's not taking that as a learning. He's not taking that as, oh, growth's growth. He's like, I don't ever want that to happen again because I don't want my dad to respond to me like that. Yeah. So I think one is we know, we know when we abuse our strength as men. And two, when you're laying in bed and you're having to justify to yourself, why whatever you did was all right. The moment that I have to justify to myself why it was okay that I was an a-hole to my wife or my kid or whatever, that's the moment where that's something internally talking to you. You're having a conversation with yourself going, that's not the kind of dad I want to be. That's not the kind of man I want to be. It's not like last night when we had family dinner and a game night and I was falling to bed feeling like a king, like a great king, you know? And so I think when in your mind you're having to justify your own actions to yourself, that's a moment where you got to step out of yourself for a second and go, wait a second, is this a dude you want to be? And I think the best question can be is, do you want your son wrestling with that question one day? Like how you're mm-hmm. feeling falling wow. asleep right now? Do I want my son to ever feel like that when he's going to bed? And so much of the time we go, my kid will be better than me. No, he won't. Mm-hmm. He won't unless you set him up to be So you go do that hard work so that then he's willing to do it. So when you're laying there and you're like, yeah, screw it. Just go to sleep. It'll all pass over. Like all that stuff gets swept under the rug so many times and then something big's going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. Right. So that is, that is it. When I say, when you're justifying yourself or uh, do you want your kid to wrestle with the same thing? Um, And then just get up and swallow your pride and go in there and be like, dude, I messed up, man. I care about you a lot and, and, and to be very careful not to say, Hey, I shouldn't have yelled at you, but I had a really hard day. Like, dude. Oh yeah. Justifying bad behavior, right? Do not justify it. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't justify it. Just apologize. Yeah. Just apologize. And, and you're a work in progress, you know? Yeah. Because if you, if you justify in that moment, the same thing that you like, you're then going to hear your son or daughter regurgitate your words, justifying, well, yeah, I know I got an F, but you know what? The test was hard. 
Yeah. Or, yeah. or I just didn't feel like studying and like, they're going to try and justify bad behavior. Like, Oh, you know, the reason why I hit my sister is because they looked at me. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, Oh, okay. So it's justification. Now they, they looked at me the wrong way. Now I can drill them. You know, I mean, and this is like real life dad stuff. I'm not in this totally. phase anymore, but I've been there. You know, I get it. Like my son's 24, my daughter's 17. I, I've been there and I don't have it all figured out. Trust me. I'm not, I'm not that guy either. But, but I understand what you're talking about. Let me ask you this, just kind of drilling into this idea of legacy, particularly. What are some things that you would hope that your kids would say about you in 20 years? Yeah, I would hope that my kids would say that I was present and I was in tune with them. I was aware of who they were. I knew them. I mean, that right there is huge, right? Because sometimes we feel can disconnected from our kids and we have to find ways to connect with them. So I would hope that they would say that I was present, that I was, that I knew them and that we had fun together. Hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. And you know, just, just being transparent, fun is hard for me. Like my, hmm. my idea of fun is different than everybody else in my family. So that's a, that's a real challenge for me. I mean, I, when we sit around the dinner table, it's easier for me to be dad as therapist or dad as counselor instead of dad as being the fun guy. And so it's a real discipline for me, truthfully, to kind of get outside of my own head and to be present in that moment yeah. and just to love the environment that my, you know, of being family. I mean, my son is married. He doesn't live here. And, and my daughter, it's like, she's always doing something now where she wasn't before when she was a little girl. So now I have to fight for every single moment. But I love what you said about, you know, how you would want your kids to remember you, that you were present, you know, that, and, you know, the thing I was thinking about earlier when I was prepping for the show is, is that this idea of being present, you know, we have to fight for that. We have to prioritize ahead of time. What are some, what are some things that, that you do? I mean, you mentioned a couple, like to be present, bringing your kids to school and then picking them up from school. And, and a guy may listen to this and say, well, yeah, what's the big deal with that? Like, it's just seeing dad around. Like I found all the, I found that so many good conversations happen just in the car driving from here to there that become really, really important. So what are some other things that you do in that realm? Yeah. So I would definitely say do not discredit the in-between stuff, yeah. right? So it's like, if I have to run to the auto parts store to grab a headlight or whatever, or Home Depot to grab a two by four, yeah, sure. It would be way faster if I went and did that by myself. Yeah, It would. What's it going to take me a half an hour? If I take my kid, it takes me 40 minutes. Those are the moments that you're going to build with your kids. It's not the Disneyland trip. It, it might be the camping trip, which is cool, but it is the day in, day out, consistent in between stuff. How do you wake up with your kids? How do you go to bed with your kids? How do you have dinner, breakfast, lunch, drive to school, drive to wherever you're going. What does that look like? Is it always music? Are you always on your phone? Is everybody always on their phone? Mm. Like take a look at the in-between stuff because it all adds up. Mm. And that's the time where, hey, how was your day? And not accept that it was good. Well, tell me how it was good. What are you learning at school? Mm. What are you working on? What are you enjoying? Which friend's really irritating you right now? Mm. Like just figure it out. Like your job is to dig into those kids and their one word answers is just an opportunity for you to show what a rebel you are, what a fighter you are, what a warrior you are, because that's not sufficient for you. Mm -hmm. So I would say don't discredit the in-between. I think that's where it happens. That's where relationships are important. And 
the calendar. So I'll also say, you know, everybody's got a different work life, but, but what's up with your calendar? Most dudes don't take, most humans don't take off all their vacation days. Are you taking off all your vacation days? Why not? And now a word from our partners. Have you heard about the Warcry Network? Warcry Network can be found at warcrynetwork.com. These are some other influencers and podcasters and writers who I have linked arms with several months back to encourage one another and also to build up one another's platform. If you're interested in other platforms like this that have similar messages, look them up at warcrynetwork.com. Also, the Live Free app. If you or someone else that you care about is stuck in porn addiction and you want recovery from porn addiction, go to livefree.app. That's two P's, livefree.app online or also just the Live Free app at your app store so you can join the community. I actually have my own group within the community. There's a lot of great things happening there and a lot of great conversations at Live Free. Also, Built Bar, if you're somebody who is a kind of a fitness junkie like I am and you're always looking for little cheats and supplements and protein bars, something to get you through that long hike or a run or a bike ride or just a, just a healthy snack, go check out BuiltBar.com and look up the discount code WARCRY at, and you will find that Built Bar makes some really good protein bars, a lot of protein, and great taste. And also, the, the latest partner that I have made is with Men of Iron. They exist to change a culture one man at a time. How could I not get behind that cause? Their work is centered on five different Fs, faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. And they engage a bunch of different men from all walks of life, really, and all over the country to join together to change culture. And they do it one man at a time, one group at a time, through mentoring. If you're interested in Men of Iron, go to menofiron.org. That is menofiron.org. And now let's get back to the show. Why not? Don't don't let your job dictate every second of your life. You know, say no to stuff. Say no to work. Say no to other families. Say no to certain things. Carve out a day. Surprise your family. Uh, you know, even going for a day trips. There's there's just great things you can do. You just have to decide to do it and put it on the calendar. Yeah, well said. That you know, you talk about those in between times. I was thinking about when my son was really young, and, and prior to being in ministry and do what I do now, I used to work on airplanes, and I worked in a corporate flight department. And we had like rotations, like we'd have a weekend where I would be on call, or I'd have to go in if there was any flights, I'd have to go in and prep the plane, or or you know, and stay there all day. And so I'd be gone a lot on those weekends. So I, I knew that that time was special. So I would take my son with me, actually. I would take him with me, and he'd be on the uh, on the tow tractor with me, pushing the airplane out. He'd be inside the airplane. I let him, don't tell anybody, he had all sorts of good food and candy right off these multi-million dollar airplanes. Like, that was, again, it was a, uh, a big company, so they had multi-million dollar airplanes. And he was all over those things. He was running up and down the aisles. Like, he just, we really enjoyed it, but it was one of those things it was one of those in-between times. It would have been much easier, much easier for me just to kind of check out and be like, hey, I got to go to work. I'll see you tonight, buddy, you know, and come home at seven or eight. Instead, I was like, no, I'm actually going to make a day of this. Like, we're going to make a memory of this. And in between the flight, we're going to go out on the, you know, out on the, uh, the, basically where the planes were getting prepped and go out there and watch the other planes take off and land. We're going to talk about that. We're going to learn about 
aerodynamics. He, he loved airplanes because of that, obviously, um, yeah. just from that influence. But that was one of those things. And it kind of sounds like what you're talking about too, Ned. It's like you have to fight for those times. It's not just in the Disneyland things. Those are important. Yeah, but it's, it's great. what you do day to day. It really makes for those relationships. And for for my daughter, it's going to get a cup of coffee. She loves mm-hmm. music, so uh, we got her. We had the ability to get her a car a couple months ago. So now she says, "Dad, hey, you want to go get a cup of coffee?" I'm like, "Yeah." And you know what? We'll steal 15 minutes. We'll drive around town, drink a cup of coffee, and we'll kind of touch base. I yeah, want to awesome. cycle. I want to cycle back to something you said earlier, and and I, I don't think the guys realize the importance of this. Most guys don't know what to talk about, so they just say, you know, it's the hey, how are you doing, or, or how was your day? Oh, it was good, and they're like, oh, great. They said it was good. If they if it's bad, they're like, oh, I don't know how to wade through all this. But you said something, we were talking about the conversations around your dinner table. You said the high and low. Uh, Dig into that just a little bit more and explain to the guys what you're talking about, because this gives, I think, a really good opportunity to to really peek into what happened and and what's going on in the life of your child without them just saying a one-word answer. So what's the high and low? Yeah. So we'll just, I mean, with five kiddos around the table, we'll just go around and say, Hey, what was your high? And what was your low from the day? There's other things people call it, but it gives each kid an opportunity to say, well, at school I was able to do this and it was really cool. Like I finished this project or I, you know, did this or that. Um, And then a low was, you know, this kid said something to me or, or waking up this morning, it was Monday and waking up was a bummer or the high is it's raining out. So you start to notice things about your kids, but here's the deal. You have to listen when they, you ask the question, like asking the question is like 10% of it, right? Yeah. So you sucker up, you ask the question. If you've never done it, your family's going to kick back. If you say, Hey, we're turning the TV off tonight and we're going to do this, have dinner as a family. They're going to be like, what the heck? Our, our kitchen table has always had piles of stuff on it for them. <laughs> That's what we've seen it as is the catch all. So, you know, clean off the table, ask the question. That's 10% of it. The rest is listening. So listen, pay attention. Like, what does your kid talk about? What do they say is their high every time? You start to see what they're into. And then, oh, tell me more about that. Like, figure out how to ask open-ended questions. If you don't know, go YouTube asking open-ended questions, right? We will all spend a bunch of time figuring out which golf clubs we're going to buy or which, you know, fishing pole we're going to buy, whatever. Dude, how much more important is your kids and your spouse? Now, I think that we don't do that because it's, it's, we have less control right? It makes us be vulnerable to do that. But that's really where deep satisfaction comes from. So high and low is what was your high and what was your low from the day? And and maybe start it off with, hey, you know what? I haven't asked this question yet. So let me tell you what mine was Mm -hmm. and why, you know, so my high was at work, this happened. And my low was I got a flat tire on the way to work, you know, and like, it's going to stem more conversation. Not every time, sometimes it's going to fall apart. But As a dude, that's what a warrior does. He just does it again and again and again. And before you know it, you've created this culture or this consistency of conversation around food mm-hmm. and not rushing. Like, sorry, you can't get up. We're not all done. We're not at all shared yet. We haven't all finished eating. Like, let's sit here for a half an hour and just chill without whatever it is that we were going to do. No phones, sit at the dinner table. 
Yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I think uh, one of the tendencies that I've had in the past and maybe some of the listeners will have too is maybe to do the high and low. And as soon as they hear the low to think that they need to, it's a call. Okay, that's my call to action. I've got to go do this thing. It's like they had a bad day. Well, how dare them? I need to call that parent and like, honey, call call such and such as mom and this needs to be taken care of. And I and maybe that conversation needs to be had, maybe. But I think if you're listening to this, men, when you do the high and low and what Ned's talking about is the 10% is asking the question, the 90% is listening. In that moment, it's just simply engaging and allowing your kids to talk and for yep. them to know that you care enough to listen and, and kind of share with that. Now, if there's another call to action, as sometimes there is, I would say after the dinner is over, go have a private conversation with your wife and say, hey, I couldn't believe, you know, that this happened. Do you think this is something we need to do? Is this, do I need to take care of this? Or is this just like one of those kid things that's just going to go away? So it doesn't automatically mean that there's a call to action. And I think as men, sometimes we feel this sense of urgency and that call to action simply to not be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And just to go on what you're saying is, is I'm really working on not having all the answers, you know, and maybe you say, Hey, if you want to talk more about that, let me know. And just letting them know you're available. But that is a hard one to master is shutting your mouth and just letting people talk and not having an answer. But I think there's a ton of value in it. Like you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a work in progress. There's nothing easy about that at all. So, you know, one of the things that, that, that you talked about, you talked about memories and you talked about adventure and what that means. But I, I want you to, in the last minutes of our conversation, I want you to talk about things that you're doing particularly to develop your marriage, because for you to be a better, for you to be the best father, it's for you to be the, the best and most engaged husband. Uh, so that, you know, that to me, a marriage is a foundation for fatherhood. Now, I realize that some men would say, what are you saying that you're, you know, I'm not discrediting you if you, you know, if you divorced or you've had kids out of wedlock and don't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about for the married people, your marriage is, is foundational to raising your kids. So what are some things that you do, Ned, with your bride to help develop that relationship to make sure that you show up well as a father? Yeah, I would say marriage is super important to me. I mean, I think it is the crux, the, 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 the solution to the problems in our world yeah. is, is it's, it's an opportunity to show the world that it's possible to, I mean, your wife is different than you in more ways than one, right? We always kind of joke opposites attract. And, and if you look at your marriage as an opportunity for you to grow too, Right. So when you're in a marriage, you are constantly having to look in the mirror at yourself. If yeah. you allow it to, you could be a passive jerk and not, but it's an opportunity for you to grow into a better version of you to the best version of you, because there is going to be conflict. You know, there just is going to be conflict. So um, there will be seasons of dates. So I, I wish I could say every week we go on a date. We don't. Um, there'll be seasons of that. And, and one season in particular, when we had our twins, I could just sense like, whoa, things are way off right now. And we were broke at the time. And we 
I said, we're going on a date no matter what. Every Tuesday or Thursday, I forget. And my mom would come over and we would just go get maybe one large coffee and share it in our car around the corner from our house or at a park or something. Mm -hmm. But she would say that that saved our marriage, like being intentional in our time because we pulled ourselves out of the grind. So so that's that's one is, is pay attention to that. Pull yourself out. Your marriage is more important than your kids. And I say that like people don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. It is important for you to go have a couple overnighters a year or, mm-hmm. or a overnighter a year. It is important for you to be away. It is important for you to go on dates. I think that when you and your spouse love each other, your kids can tell yeah. and that it affects your kids. And I think a lot of marriages have struggles because they stop investing in themselves. They put everything into their kids and it's at the detriment because then, then you find yourself not liking that person and getting divorced. And then that's super hard for your kiddos. Mm -hmm. So I would say dates overnighters um, and then not stopping to learn about who your spouse is like, try to learn something new. Like we went on a date the other night and my intention on the date was to learn something new about her. And I learned something new about her. And, and, and I think that that never goes away. So, uh, I think those are, those are just a couple things. I don't know if there's anything you want to dig into more on that. No, that's solid. I think that's, that's really good stuff. And it seems so simple. I realize it's like, Oh, go on a date night. I've heard that a million times, but at the end of the day, men, are you going on date nights? And I realize in the season of COVID, maybe you can't, but, but you really broke down any stereotype of, and excuses. Guys say, well, I just don't have that much time. I just don't have that much money. I just don't have this. And I just don't have this. I'm like, it's as simple as getting in the car, going around the corner to a coffee shop, you know, buying a large coffee that's going to cost you less than $3 and sitting at a park for an hour and having a conversation. If like, we can do that. That's simple stuff. Yeah. I would also say, uh, your wife's going to be tired at the end of the day. So don't make sure, make it an option. Do you want to go on a date? Hey, we're going on a date. Yes. What did you do when you, when you wooed her in the beginning? Like I was challenged this year on this. Don't be boring. Like I do not want to be a boring husband. We always go to this restaurant mm. and see a movie at every date. Now that's what she's comfortable with. But I think that women do want us to lead. So Go think of something creative. Go do something creative. Go set up a picnic. Be vulnerable. Like she's going to dig that stuff if you own it and are confident in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So one, mix up the dates. Don't do the same freaking thing every time. Mm-hmm. Be spontaneous. Go get out of your comfort zone and, and do something fun. Like for our anniversary this year, I went and borrowed a Harley from a friend. I was feeling like I was being boring. Somebody challenged me, like, I don't want to be a boring husband. And he said it, this guy, John Vroman, such an incredible dude. He was like, I realized I failed on my wife's birthday. And I realized I only have, you know, what, 50 birthdays or something like that, right? I only have so many birthdays to like, kill it and be the man. And you want, I mean, dude, how good does it feel when your wife is like, dude, you're the man. Oh my gosh. What else do I need, bro? I feel (laughs) on top of the world. Absolutely. You're in control of if she says that or not to an extent, right? I don't want to say you're in control, but you can do things to set that up. So, Hmm. so anyways, yeah, we rented a Harley, went to a brewery and a winery and went out to dinner and just did something that we wouldn't normally do. And it was fun. And I didn't ask, Hey, do you want to do this? I just led with it. Mm. And we had a killer time. So 
do we all have the ability to not be boring? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. What you talked about, you didn't use the word, but what you talked about is something I've been studying and from actually three different books, they bring about this, the same idea. And they talk about the polarity between the masculine and the feminine and the, in the polarity, meaning it's the, the yin and yang and not in the, not in the, in the religious Eastern religious sense, but it's just how, how we're just, we're polar opposites. And yet part of the, the masculine trait that we're supposed to bring into a relationship with the female is the initiation. I mean, this is this is verified in a book by Leanne Payne called *The Crisis of Masculinity*, also by Gordon Dalby, and a book he called a book called *The Healing of the Masculine Soul*, and a book I just got done reading by Dr. Larry Crabb called *Fully Alive*. And they're all saying the same thing: men have to initiate, and men primarily one of the core things that they're supposed to do is to initiate. And a woman's core desire is to receive that initiation. So, and this is in big and small ways, including, you know, doing something big like that, like Harley and changing things up. You took the initiative. So, of course, you, you use the terminology. It's like, man, you're the man. It's like, yeah, because you took the initiative. The yeah. worst thing I can say to my wife is, hey, do you want to go out to eat tonight? Yeah. Where do you want to go? And then all of a sudden, it's like I had a, I had an idea of initiation, but then I put the burden on her. Instead, of what I know about my wife is if I say, hey, I think we need to go out to eat tonight and I think we need to go here. All of a sudden, she's lighting up. She's like, oh, that's great. I'd love that. And if she doesn't want to go there, she would say, you know what? I've really been kind of hungry for this. I'm like, sweet. We'll pivot to what you want. I'm, I, I'm going to quote, still the man. And I took the initiative and she received that initiation. And man, now we're moving to groove and we got a date night or we got a, a family night. We're going out to eat and everybody's winning. And that, that's kind of that scenario that you're talking about, yep. about taking that initiative instead of like offloading that. And, and that's hard for guys. I mean, yeah. And I think, yeah, there's time for both. Right. But I do think that there is time for you to lead and to surprise and to be spontaneous. And I think that the response is going to be good, you mm-hmm. know, and I just think, just don't be boring. Like you, you used to write her notes probably. You used to come home with flowers every once in a while, you know? Like you did something to get her to be attracted to you in the first place. Right. So go back to that, you yeah. know? It was wearing that Smedium shirt. That's what it was. Yeah, exactly. Okay, go buy that Smedium shirt and put that on. Go lift some uh, weights, something. Do something. Hey, Ned, it's been great having you on the show today. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom. Um, if guys, you're listening to this, you need to go and check out Ned's podcast. It's called rebel and create. You can find that virtually everywhere. I believe go check him out. Uh, Ned shout on IG. And also you can look at rebel and create on IG and kind of follow him. He's had some great guests. He just had Morgan Snyder. Morgan Snyder was a great guest. I had him on my show a few months ago. Great guy. You also, uh, had, uh, uh, the, MMA guy, uh, Faber. Uriah Faber. There you go. I can never pronounce his last name, so I thought that was a pretty thing, a pretty sweet thing. I listened to that, and uh, yeah, so I'd like to know your secret on how you landed that. We can talk about that off air, but I just want to say thanks for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate it. Great to talk life, fatherhood, masculinity with you. Yeah, pleasure is all ours. Thanks for listening to the New Kind of Man podcast. You've been given some good manly encouragement, and now it's your turn. If you found today's content helpful, go tell a friend and please leave us a review. Also, consider hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now it's time for all of us to do what Theodore Roosevelt said. Create, 
act. Get action. Do things. Be sane. Don't fritter away your time. Take a place wherever you are and be somebody. Get action.